Hey everybody, welcome back to the Digital Mayors Podcast, episode number four with John Henry. Um, now, if you've been listening to the show, which not a lot of people have because I haven't been posting, um, it's been about a it's been about four or five months since I posted last. I've been out in Alaska, shitting in holes and building a resort, and uh, so now I'm back, back on the show, back on the grind. Today we have episode number four with John Henry. Uh, like I said, this was recorded about three, four months ago. I uh, can't believe it hasn't seen the light of day yet. Uh, just want to say thank you, John, for doing it, and uh, please enjoy the show. Um, aside from that, I'm going to be posting once a week from here on out. Uh, I don't know what day yet, but we're going to be rolling out a podcast a week. Uh, so stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. Three, two, one, and we're live. Welcome back to the show, guys. Um, today, John Henry. Question number one is, why would anybody hire a videographer to help them document their day-to-day and create content for their social media? Why would anybody do that? Um, from a business standpoint, some might find it to be ridiculous or silly, but you're somebody who now has a full-time videographer this person follows you around they document speeches and just kind of the day your day in the life uh videos for your business what is the point of doing something like this yeah most people wouldn't but the ones who who do are going to be in a fantastically differentiated position because think about Think about how much video gets consumed um, or think about how much media gets consumed and, and out of that media, how much of it is video, which is, you know, by far at the moment, the dominant form of communication still on the web. Um, even though it's at its height, the highest it's ever been, the amount of people that I see do it at this level is few and far in between, man. And so I remember when I started, it was uncomfortable you know, cause I have a full-time videographer. So he's like, just post it all the time. You know, we might be in a cafe, you know, and like, that's when people's judgment comes out. Cause like, ugh, this guy has a guy following him around with a camera. And it's funny. Cause like, I used to let that dissuade me, but if you can get past the, the discomfort of people's judgment and just focus on the sheer business potential of this, it's incredible, man. Anyone who does this will see an instant increase temporary or rather an in, instant influx in more brand presence web presence just more presence all, all together and then from there it just grows slowly so you get a little spike at first and you grow slowly over time and res- irres- irrespective of what business you're in it's going to start bringing you more deals more um, opportunities more people to meet etc yeah, so I wanted to jump in here because I think this is a, a very important point and a very valuable insight. So John's talking about creating relationships, building your reputation online through your content at scale. Now, this is important. Let's say if you're a real estate agent, think of the deals. You know, The more you can get people to know you and trust you before they even meet you, the better chance you have of them actually choosing to buy or sell homes with you. Um, just thought this was a very valuable point. Wanted to highlight that and, uh, let's keep going. 
when you said uh, you said at this level, do you mean like from a production standpoint or like from an output standpoint? More output than production, but also production. Um, right. You know, when I started, like I started with like whatever camera I could get. I think it was like a T5i and like, a, you know, I got like a little starter kit. It was like 600 bucks. Um, and as I've gone on, you know, we've iterated through equipment several times. Now we use like probably the standard vlog set is like a Sony a7s um, with a 2470 you know like it looks crisp enough for the human eye to immediately detect that it's not a phone let's say right um, so like that's the kind of where I like to be in terms of quality but also output and it's mostly output I know guys that crush it just with iPhone but yeah when you can get to the point where you're producing 40 to 50 to 60 pieces of content a week and you're sharing that across all these platforms. Okay, so I thought I'd jump in here one more time because I want to highlight that. John is talking about making 40 to 50 to 60 pieces of content a week. Now, some of you might be thinking to yourself, dude, how the hell am I supposed to do that? That is insane. And, uh, well, the answer is the Gary Vee content model, okay? And basically what that is is you create one long-form piece of content a week in a video format, 10, 15 minutes, 25 minutes long, however long you want it. And then from that one piece of content, you can strip down one, two, three minutes here and there, 10, 15, 20, 25, 60 times. And then from that one piece of content, all of a sudden you've derived all this other micro content from your one long form video. You know, you can cut the audio, now you got a podcast, you can cut one minute clips here and there. Now you got stuff for uh, content for Instagram. So that's how you would do it. One long form piece of content. And from that, all other content derives. This is the best way to do it. It's a Gary V content model right here. I just wanted to jump in and highlight that because John's talking about volume. You know, the volume is the game. You know, content is the gateway drug to opportunity. And so the more content you can um, create, the more opportunities are going to be presented to you and your business. Uh, let's keep rolling. Given the rate of people that how much they're consuming it, if you don't think that's going to make a monumental impact on your business, whatever it is, then you know, you're in for a surprise. Okay, so my next question is, you know, let's say you're listening to this and you just said, okay, this sounds interesting, but I'm not into it. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not buying it. What do you, how do you predict that uh, this will play out over the next five to 10 years? Because right now, as of today, creating content in the way that we're talking about for your business or for your personal brand, right now it's, it's an offensive move, right? You're going on the offense. In two years, in three years, you know, I think this will be defense. Creating content is going to be something that you have to do to even compete. Um, what are your thoughts on the people that are saying, you know what, I'm not interested in this. We don't need content for social media. We're just going to keep playing the way we are. Yeah, I mean, those who don't are going to be put out of business by those who do. Because, like, the reality is that these days, we just have far more human connection online than we do offline. You know, and, and even even for real estate agents that are pounding pavement and they see most people physically, like to think 
at home when they when they get home and they disconnect and they just plug in for a moment on their phone with just a few minutes of scrolling they've already reached the same amount of people as they did all day offline <laughs> now yeah. it's not the same not the same quality of interaction right. but like if you as a business person don't have the practicality to understand that like just making video or any content really will put you in front of more people more eyeballs then like you're going to be put out of business um and for you know <laughs> not everyone's going to have those results of going from 12 million to 52 million in three months maybe right. that guy already had the infrastructure or whatever but i can assure you that having a videographer like yourself come even once or twice a week um and just shoot little snippets you know experiment with it drop it on linkedin right now which has really good engagement at the moment instagram facebook even twitter um and it's not just about creating the assets it's also about what you do with the assets and that's where i think a lot of people screw up like they'll invest in you let's say they pay you 500 bucks you make them a video and then they're like what the fuck this didn't do anything all right so i want to jump in here one more time because what john's talking about is absolutely pivotal to your success um like you said you can pay fifteen hundred dollars five hundred dollars for a video but then if nobody sees it what's the point um which is why you know i always think that it's smart to start backwards and reverse engineer you know how you want to create the content so hey what is your message who are you trying to reach and what's the purpose of the content is it education is it entertainment um and then once you figure out that say okay what is the purpose of, of this content who am i trying to reach and then work backwards from there um you know so creating that distribution strategy on top of the creative strategy uh coupled together that's what creates um all these opportunities let's keep rolling but then like when you ask them what they did with it all they did was they posted it to like yeah. their facebook wall and that was it that was my last question yeah like you gotta re you gotta repurpose the hell out of the piece of content as much time as possible yeah so if somebody's listening they're just starting out they've got maybe like 500 followers and they decide hey i want to go all in on this and they've got the money to hire somebody to say hey I, I, like i believe in this system this opportunity do they you almost need to have like a paid side of it where you're going to be paying for that content to get out in front of the right people or should you just start with organically posting or should you be targeting certain people with Facebook ads, Instagram ads, YouTube, whatever? Yeah. I mean, I'm not opposed to, to throwing dollars um, behind a post, especially if you're going to invest into producing it. Like if you're going to invest 50 bucks or I'm sorry, $500 to produce something, you might as well put 50 bucks to see if, you know, to just test because Right. The right now the cost per impression on Facebook on average is about two cents a view. So, you know, even ten bucks is enough to experiment. And so what I would do is like take a little bit of spend, like maybe a hundred bucks, and run ten different experiments, ten dollars each. Right. <laughs> you know, target people who are interested in Gary V, target people who are interested in business and real estate, whatever. But even so moving away from the paid stuff for a moment, um, I also really like organic you know, and, and, you know, you post it and it's not about the number of comments that you get or views that you get. And that's where people go wrong. I think in the beginning, they want to over optimize for reach, but no one knows who the fuck they are. So like any reach that you get is going to be synthetic. Instead, 
focus on like the five to seven people that commented respond back and you know like and start building depth and if you can like go really deep with an audience eventually you grow wider um you know like i think right just recently i hit a hundred thousand on instagram i saw that it's Congrats. some of the same thanks thanks dude some of the same people that have been following me for years and years and they still rock with me and every step of the way they've told other people and like it feels like a real movement versus like I just boosted the fuck out of my videos and got to a hundred thousand but no one gives a shit about me so yeah. it's less about your numbers and it's more about how do people feel about you you know what I mean yeah man, I think you doing this podcast is a true testament to that as well Thanks. Just the fact that you've done this and I can tell like the way you engage with your audience. It's not something you see every day. There's very few people. So I, I would definitely agree with what you just said. That's, Thank you, man. I appreciate that. It means a absolutely. lot. Um, <clears throat> so I've heard, uh, you know, you, you talk about this. I've heard Gary talk about it. You talk about like low hanging fruit. Um, if you're somebody who's just starting out, is it the wrong idea to, look at where you think opportunities might be as far as low hanging fruit and then reverse engineer how you create content towards that. Is that the wrong mindset to have? Um, that's it. That's a very good question. Um, I'm not going to go as far as to say that whether it's wrong or right, because I do think that there's a lot of ways to win. Um, and that's not the way I've done it. I can say that. Right. I can say that I think, I so all right, low hanging fruit. You're probably referring to like little brand deals and shit that are popping up, popping up, and like anyone who's got a certain threshold of an audience in a certain category right. is in position to get some of these brand deals. On the small end, um, you know, like I've gotten like 500 bucks for a post, or like 2,500, 7,500. I have I have my my business partner has some deals that are six figure plus, and then they're like year long deals, as an example. Wow. Um, and so they run the gamut. Um, but I will say, if you, my personal opinion is, if you create content with the sole intent to like make those influencer deals, you might get there, but you're only going to have but so much shelf life, in my opinion. Right. I, like yeah. the, the, the thing that's harder to do, and this is what some of your potential clients probably have to wrestle with, is like that they want quicker, shorter term results because they're incurring the cost because they kind of sort of get the value, but not really. Once they understand that this is the way that you play and win the long game mm -hmm. and that they might not get the brain deal here or there, but like over time, more and more people are just going to know who the fuck they are, which means that they're going to go to you first, which means that you're going to crush everybody who just went for the short term. You know, like um, I fundamentally think that I'm going to beat out anyone who, who makes like, cheap you know salesman content like i think i put out content in the right way which is like i'm setting context i'm just sharing what i care about with people and building that connection over time um and as a result i'll probably end up getting bigger and bigger deals later that wouldn't be available to those other people and the first time i saw that play out in a big way was my deal with viceland like they weren't even interested in anyone who is like a pure influencer type or e-course person type because there's a lot of those guys, you know, it's easy to do the low hanging fruit shit is much harder to do things that like big wins take time. So anyway, um, 
to your pers- to your prospective clients, even though it sounds like a big investment to have a videographer trail you around and have no guarantee that it's going to bring you like X amount of deals a month, you know, as a guy who's walked the path, I'm walking it right now. <laughs> I'm getting way bigger deals than I could even have thought of because I've been doing it consistently for years. Hey guys, just wanted to jump in one more time here. Um, you know, this is a problem a lot of people face is they spend money on creating content and then a week later, a month later, two months later, um, you know, they're like, what the fuck? Nothing's happening. And, you know, what John's talking about is like, this takes time. You know, it's not going to happen in a month. It's not going to happen in two months. And, you know, especially when you're just starting out and, you know, you haven't really found your voice, it's going to take time to find your voice and to find the rhythm um, but once you can find that rhythm and you can just enjoy the process, you're setting yourself up to play the long game and then ultimately win. The, the other thing I wanted to ask is like, if you were to hire somebody, uh, a videographer, what is it, What does that schedule look like? Like, how do you guys, and it's going to be different for everybody, obviously, but how do you guys work that out for you personally? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, um so here's the framework that i have and you know if mailer's working for that guy that's fine at least he has the sense to go about it consistently because it doesn't work in the mailer business if you just send one blast mailers one time you got to have touch points but then i would say to him hey you can have that same quantity of touch points for much less of a cost with video Um, or if you take the same amount and invest it into video you're going to get a ton of ROI in terms of brand presence and stuff. So last year, I think I, I spent about $60,000 um, on content um, altogether. Um, and I've really upped my investment in content because like year one, I think I, you know, I might have done 10K. The next year I did like 24. And the more you see that it has results, the more I just want to put more and more into it. Right. Yeah, now I, th- I think about Gary. He's got 29 people on Team Gary V. You know, <laughs> he, he, yeah, he spends a lot. And there's a so you can only get to that kind of reach if you're willing to put up that much skin in the game. And so you're always going to be at the direct level to which you have skin in the game. Like, so, so for clients that are like interested in you. If they just want to be little bitches about it and be like, ah, yeah, I'll do like one video a year, you know, whatever, like they're going to have baby results. But if they're interested in, and they believe in it and they want to go hard, you're going to get some crazy shit. So, so, all right, your question was around the schedule with respect to the schedule. Yeah. I just want to know, like, do, do you pay hourly or is it you say, hey, I want you four days a week. I'm going to pay you X amount per month. I want you yeah, here. I- I have more. I when I started, I had a I'll pay you per video. Okay. And I would do like three hundred bucks a video, or four hundred bucks a video, or five. I think I got to like paying five hundred dollars a video, shot and edited. But that gets expensive if you're if you increase your frequency, right? Because now if you do four videos, that's two thousand. If you do four videos in a month, that's two grand. That could be like a little salary. So I started a la carte until I increased my frequency. So now that I can justify a retainer. Right. So okay. I'll say, Hey, you know, I'll pay you two or three G's a month consistently. And like, you know, let's just vlog all the fucking time. 
and we're flexible. We understand, like, I know that if my brother has to, you know, if he's got little side gigs or something, you know, he'll be like, yo, I can't make that. And I'll, I'll understand. So at this point I have a lot going on and I have an assistant. So I'll have my assistant send Jeffrey the day, the key days, like, yo, please do not miss this. You must be here for this, this, and that. And then any pockets of time, I try to get my money's worth. So I try to like, you know, we'll go out, we'll shoot content. I'll do podcasts like these. Like I look for as many opportunities as possible to create content. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I was just wondering if it was like, you want them outside your door right in that nine o'clock or whenever you start, or if it's just you text them whenever you need them. Yeah. It, it depends, man. Um, it That's depends. enough. That's enough. I get it. Yeah. 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 Cause sometimes your schedule is really busy and I'll say, yo, right. this whole week we're going to be together. Sometimes it's a little bit lighter and I'll say, yo, I need you for this talk or this, this talk. For sure. Yeah. Cool. Um, I got like two or three more and then that's cool. it. Uh, so what else we got here? Oh, let's talk about, you talked about vice real quick. The hustle show, Mr. Hustle here. Uh, First of all, how many episodes you got? And I want to know, like, since you started, and I, and I saw a post you did, and you said, I want to go on record, because I know, like, as soon as I start this show, it's going to, like, it's going to take you up 10 levels. Yep. How has, how has it changed your business, both, like, from a micro point of view, but also a macro point of view? Um, I think it's, yeah, it's changed. It's definitely put me up to the next level with respect to the kinds of opportunities that I'm getting. Right. You know, people will, people will just approach me a little bit differently. They approach my agents a little bit differently. And also my agents, if they don't approach me in that way, my agents can get them to level up and be like, hey, this is no longer, you know, Johnny Vlog here. Like, he's on air now. You know, so like they can command a certain type of respect, um, which – is good in the in the media space because you can get bigger deals um but also it hasn't changed much at the same time like i'm the same regular motherfucker but i'm on tv you know and it's just there's an increase in recognition um but like anything i think it takes a lot of time to see the upside and i think that's where i was a little short-sighted i thought that like because it's tv you know it's like boom you're on fucking you know skyrocket yeah and yeah. while my recognition has increased, notably, like if I walk through the streets, <clears throat> for instance, I will get stopped in just about any state so far. Um, but that hasn't translated into like substantial business success. And I think it's going to probably take like several seasons to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Just like you won't pop on the first vlog. But once you're in episode 100, more people know you. I think same thing with TV. I just didn't expect that, but it's the case. Right. I feel, I feel like more people are watching YouTube nowadays anyways. But Viceland, Viceland is definitely a popular TV show or network. Yeah. 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 I didn't, I didn't think it was. It's oh, yeah, dude. Like, that's, the on, that's the only network I watch nowadays is Viceland. Wow. Look at that. Yeah. All my buddies are the same way. They only watch Viceland. Wow. I didn't know that, man. Where do you live? Uh, I'm from Cleveland. Okay. Wow. Cleveland. Yeah. Awesome, man. Yep. So you got, uh, I, I looked up Harlem capital real quick. You said you guys, I think the plan was a thousand startups over the next 30 years. If yep. that's right. 20, 20 years. Yep. 
20 years. How many, uh, how many startups are you at right now? Um, well, we want to do a thousand founders. So individuals. Founders. Yeah. Um, we've invested in eight companies. Um, I think a total of like 20 founders across those eight companies. Um, so we're, we just closed on our fund. So we invested in six companies across like two years with our own cash, but now we have a fund. So we're going to be doing about 30 deals a year. Um, so we're about to see a, a pretty notable uptick every Every founding team has a, on average like two to three founders. So call it 2.5. So that's, we're going to be investing in like 75 founders a year now from here on out. So um, pretty excited about that. That's cool. So what, I mean, once you guys invest, what's your plan? Cause I know very little about this world. Once you invest in them, like what's the, what's the point of it? Like, what are you trying to do with them? Once you get them yeah. on your team. Yeah. Um, so pretty much the way it works is like there's different types of investing, right? There's private equity in private equity. That's when you buy the major, you buy the majority stake in the business. So you outright own it. Right. So like Warren Buffett does that. He right. has a holding company. He bought, he bought McDonald's, Geico, Coca-Cola, like he owns these. And when you own them, you just operate them and you take the cash flow out every month. Right. With venture capital is a little bit different. You buy a small piece of the company you actually have no say in how the companies run. It's actually up to the CEO, um, but you buy in because you believe in this company. And unlike private equity, where you get distribution, you get cash flows. You don't get any cash flow in VC. It's kind of a crazy business because all you get is equity. But if you play your cards right, you invest in a company that's like looking, you know, that grows really quickly. And so for us, we invest we're seed stage. So we usually invest at like a five to $10 million valuation and companies usually get acquired for like a hundred to 200 million. So like mm. if you put in a quarter million dollars at 5 million and they get acquired for 200 million, you made a lot of fucking money. Right? <laughs> yeah. so like, that's really, you know, that's the point. And you help them along the way. So that's kind of the point of entry. So it's a little bit different of a business, but it's a good business. Right. Okay, man. I got, uh, I just got one more. Uh, what is it? Oh, and, and this is, so I, uh, <clears throat> I dropped out of school when I was 19. I just started doing my own thing. Uh, but I've, I, I've been talking a lot to my friends who are, they're graduating this, this is the last semester. And I don't know, I know you didn't go to school, so I it'll be interesting to hear what you have to say, but a lot of them, they're applying for jobs or coming out with like a business degree. And, uh, they're just, you know, they're just kind of like applying and they're like, nobody's responding to us. We're applying to these jobs. I'm like, well, so what are you doing? They're like, we're sending an email with our resume in a cover letter. In 2019, you feel like there's a, like, obviously there's going to be people who get hired no matter what. They're charismatic. They're smart. They're going to get hired. But then there's that middle of the road pack. They're coming out. Do you think there's a better way in 2019 to like, once you have that degree to separate yourself and to get in front of people that you want to get hired by, like if you were coming out today, what would you do? Yeah. I mean, I would even take a step further. I would say there is, there is a better way. Like if I were in the workforce as a college <laughs> dropout, um, man, 
so I'll put it a few ways, right? Me personally, right now at 26, if I were to go and look for a job, I would be able to get a job. Why? Not because of my degree or lack thereof, but because of what I've been able to do, right? Execute. So now if my 18 year old self, if I were in the market right now looking for a job, I think for some reason, school builds up like an overemphasis on the degree rather than the actual like work. And so what happens is like, you have all these kids working really hard to get the degree as if that's the thing of importance. And, you know, like you're going to be vastly more qualified than a lot of your friends that have degrees, even though you won't have one, because while they're out there working really hard to get the, you know, the vanity metric, you're just doing shit. And so like, like, unless you're in certain fields, like there are certain fields where you need that kind of training, but most right. fields these days don't. Right. And, and, you know, in the fields that don't need it, my best way to get a job would be instead of like saying, Hey, I'm applying for this job. I would literally just do the job. Like if I'm applying for like video editing, I would edit a fucking video and send it in. That's and what say, I've done. Yeah. I would send seven, 10 video or five or whatever and say, yo, here's the, here's what I could do. And right. I think ultimately that the workplace is shifting to a place of, Hey, what can you do versus where'd you go to school? And so in that kind of environment, the kids who, who do shit are going to get the better jobs. Agreed. I, sh I should have phrased that if you're, if you're coming out of high school, you don't want to go to college. You don't want to spend 40,000. You, you look for the opportunities to say, Hey dude, I'm willing to work for free. Just give me that experience. It's almost like experience now is more of leverage than the degree. If you can deliver on that, whatever you're saying you can do. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think, um, I think that's right. Experience is the key and whether, yeah, working for free is a good way. It's just like, you got to find your Trojan horse, right? Like, your Trojan horse to get access to people is this show, right? Like I carved out 30 minutes of my day to connect with you um, because you use that as a little like way to sneak in and now you have access. So, and if it wasn't the show for you, it, it seems like it's video. Like that's your, that's your thing. That's what you used to get in. Yep. So I think a lot of kids would benefit from finding their way in. What's your ticket in? Yep. And then once you're there, you're there. Agreed. I love that. I heard, I heard you, you, you posted something about that a couple of days ago and I was like, yes, that's what, <laughs> that's what I like to hear. That was, that was a fire post right there. Okay. And that's the end of the show today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, I'll be honest with you. I, uh, I've, I've gone over this and listened to it a bunch of times, you know, just sitting around editing it, uh, trying to make it sound professional and good. You know, what I've learned so far about doing the podcast is, uh, I'm not as smooth of a talker as I thought. You know, I sit here and I listen to John talk. And he uh, does such a good job listening and then responding to the questions. He's got such a high level EQ and IQ. Um, so, you know, this is something I'm just learning. Um, learning how to communicate better. Learning how to ask better questions. Uh, episode 4. Um, that's, uh, one for the books. So thanks for listening. Have a great day. Peace.